0: Welcome to In Between Breaths, the podcast where we go deep into relationships with family, romantic, friends, and most importantly, the relationship with yourself. I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Alana.
0: This podcast is about abusive relationships. And Alana has a story about a relationship that she ended many years ago that was abusive physically and mentally abusive. Alana, you said you, um, this person actually contacted you recently on Facebook just a few days ago, a week ago. Right. And, yeah, you know, I, I, the only thing I can think is that it's just telling you that it's time to open this, open this up and, and share your story with people and let other people have, um, understand what you went through.
1: Well, for me, I think that that like opening my inbox and finding that message from this person, I think that it it validated my decision to do this because part of the story was his him constantly trying to reach out to me, whether you know, the phone calls, the text messages, the showing up at my house, showing up at my job, the never-ending contact or and the, the control. And having this happen all these years later, just, you know, validates the fact that I'm right in, you know, talking about this and letting go of it That's and it. also owning it, owning it as part of, part of my life and a, something that I, I have grown from and learned from and as bad as it was, it's part of the reason I am who I am today. It. I have used it as a tool to make me stronger.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a, another another way you get to tell yourself, no, this is this is over. Instead of answering that message, is closing it. How lucky are we that we all get to learn from your experience? So I, I, I I'm so grateful to be able to hear your story.
1: Other than you know being informational and want to normalize talking about this, it's it's okay. Every every one of us finds ourselves in. In situations that aren't so great, it doesn't make you a bad person, it doesn't make you stupid. It's okay, it's a part of your life, it's a part of who you are, and you can learn from it and you can grow from it. And it does not have to define who you are. Because for me, for a long time, that's what I thought, that's what I believed. I believed that I was broken, that I was damaged goods. I really did not think that after the end of that relationship that I would ever be able to have a successful relationship afterwards. And it, that's not the case. It's really not. There is, you know, you can have a happy and healthy and full life after a, a scary and traumatic situation. My story starts all the way back when I was 15. I'm not going to say when that was, because I'm not going to date myself, but <laughs> Smart um, woman. That's it. So this person and I were friends. There was a group of us that, um, we were all buddies, you know, we hung out all the time and we just did everything together. Um, you know, every day after school, always on, you know, summer breaks, winter breaks, you know, whatever it was, there was five of us and we were always together. And one night we were all at, um, my And honestly, I don't even remember how this started, but um, they had dared me to kiss this boy and we, you know, I was still young and, you know, we were being shy about it. And the person that I was in ended up being in the relationship was with said, I don't want you to kiss him because I like you and i was just like over the moon i was so excited because i had the biggest crush on him so you know we end up getting into a relationship we start dating um we end up you know after some time deciding to lose our virginity together because we thought you know we're in love with each other and this is what it's supposed to be like and you know blah 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 but what the hell did we know we were kids and Um, which looking back on it now, I think that was the reason for a lot of the issues that we had, you know, down the line. And was also the reason why we stayed together longer than we should have, Um, you know, whatever. And we stayed together for a while after that. And then for whatever reason, I decided I didn't want to be with him anymore. And you know, who knows what the reason was. I was like 16 years old, you know, maybe the wind blew a different way that day. And I just decided that I no longer wanted to be with him. And he attempted to commit suicide. He had taken a bunch of pills, which I was, I was not aware of that. I didn't know. Um, I stopped answering him because he was just like calling me and yelling and screaming and crying and blah, blah, blah. He actually called my little sister, which I didn't appreciate um but he told her what he had done and my mother actually ended up going over to his house to get him and take him to the hospital to make sure that he was okay so that situation really really scared me because i was young i was dumb um and i thought that it was my fault and you know, I know now that it wasn't my fault. I, you know, I had nothing to do with his decision to do that. And, um, he shouldn't have put that on me, but you know, it happened. And so it, I think we got back together for a little while and we ended up breaking up again. And at this time it was kind of mutual and, you know, we both, we went off, we went on with our lives. We, stayed in touch just because we still had that group of friends that we weren't as close as we had been, but we were still in touch. We were still a part of each other's lives. And so I'm not going to say that we were in constant contact, but we were in contact enough to know what was going on in each other's lives. And that went on all the way, um, throughout high school and into college. Now he went away to school, I didn't I stayed local. He was at Penn State and we started talking again. And you know, we would IM and text and whatever and that grew into um him coming home to see me, me going up to school to see him. So we started kind of like a casual relationship which was easy for us to fall back into because we had this level of comfort with one another because we were friends first and you know, he was, he was comfort for me because he knew, he knew me, he knew who I was. He knew my family, he knew everything. And, uh, he was that person when, when something bad happened and I needed someone or wanted to talk to someone, he was the first person I thought of. So, you know, this went on for a little while and, um, he started just things started getting out of control at school for him. And it was just too much for me. It was, it was much more than I could handle. So I distanced myself. And, um, so we didn't talk for a while until he had to come home from school because of issues that he was having, which looking back now was another red flag that I, I overlooked. And, um, We started spending time together again, and we found ourselves in uh, our early 20s back in a relationship. I'm not gonna say things were bad, but they weren't great. Um, I just think I didn't know any better. And I just thought that, like, these were things that you dealt with. So, you know, we were together, we stayed together for a while, and a while to the point where it was like well we need you know something you know needs to happen and for whatever reason we thought that the next best thing was that we were going to get engaged to get married because that's what you do at that point in our lives it's what everyone else our age was doing and you know you know, you're starting your career and, you know, you're in this relationship. So, you know, you're going to get married and you're going to start your lives together. So we got engaged on which, uh, what I found out later was September 11th. And I say, I found that out later because we were in Las Vegas and I somehow knew that it was going to happen. I don't remember how I knew, I don't know if I found out from my sister, or if it was just like, I knew it was going to happen because, you know, the, like everything was pointing that way. But I think that I knew that it was the wrong decision. So I was in Las Vegas. So I got drunk, you know, I drank a ton. And uh, honestly, now even thinking about it, I can't remember the act, him actually asking me to marry him. But obviously I said, yes, because we were engaged. We called our parents the next day. Apparently my father already knew. And, um, when he asked my father for my hand in marriage, my father didn't say no, but he didn't really say yes, either. He was kind of ambivalent about it, but he knew that this was the decision that I had to make on my own. And he knew that he couldn't tell him no because he knew that this was something that I needed to do because I think that he realized if he had told him no, I would have just, instead of getting engaged in Las Vegas, I would have gotten married just to be like, yeah, well, you said I couldn't do this, so I'm gonna do this. So thank God he uh, he didn't do that because that would have been a whole big bigger mess than I found myself in anyhow. So we got engaged and we moved in together la, 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 you know, and I don't care how much time you spend with someone. And we had spent a ton of time together. It is completely different when you live with someone completely different, you know, and right away things just started to, uh, go awry. He doesn't have much of a work ethic, which is a huge issue for me. I don't care if you're a janitor for a living. I, I really don't. I don't care what you do for a living as long as you get up every day and you go to work or you do something. You know, you have to take pride in yourself. You have to get up and, and greet the day and go do something. And he just wasn't doing anything. And to jump back for a second, actually, the reason we got engaged in Las Vegas was because he was out in Las Vegas trying to save the world. He had all these grandiose ideas and He thought that he was going to meet people and get them to, you know, finance his ideas. And he really did nothing over the three months he was out there, but, you know, spend his parents' money. So his focus on things like that, it wasn't just an issue that he was affected by and something that he was passionate about. It became something that completely consumed him. I remember being in his bedroom before he left, like helping him pack. And not even being being able to get into his bedroom to his bed because he had so many magazines and newspapers that he had saved with articles about climate change that they were stacked up two feet high all over his bedroom. Another red flag that I should have seen. Like he was becoming unhealthily obsessed with it. While we're living together, we planned this engagement party, which caused all sorts of issues because his family is just different than ours. And they wanted this gigantic, grandiose thing where there was hundreds of people invited and blah, 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 blah. And that's just not, you know, it's not me. It's not our family. It's not whatever. So that was causing issues. And engagement party was in December. I think it was like December 10th or maybe the 11th. We weren't speaking to each other when we left the house to go to the party that day. We didn't go together but we were not speaking to one another. And I remember him pulling me into the coat closet at the restaurant and being like, we need to pull it together because this is our engagement party. And me thinking to myself, like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think I could even pretend like anything is okay right now. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I didn't even want to be within 50 feet of him. Like, forget about being in the same building. But somehow we got through that and I decided the next day that I had to leave, that I wasn't happy, this wasn't healthy, it wasn't what I wanted, and I was done. So I left. I packed my shit and I left. I went home to my dad's house. My father was so happy to have me home because he knew I wasn't happy. He knew I wasn't okay. But like I mentioned before, he also knew that he really couldn't step in and be like this needs to stop this needs to end because of where i was at in my life like i would have taken that as a slight like oh you don't think i know what i'm doing and you're trying to control me and i'm an adult and you know all this stupidity which it happens i was 24 years old i was a kid what the hell did i know nothing obviously I left things were, it was a great time. I wasn't happy because regardless of the situation, I still loved him. Like I still loved him as a person. I still cared about him as a person. He was someone who had been in my life for over a decade, someone who I I had shared so many highs and lows with. He had been there through any serious thing that I had dealt with in my life. Up until that point, he had been there for you know, that's that, that comfort thing. Like, you know, he was like a a comfortable pair of sneakers. So while we were apart, he would not leave me alone. He was calling me incessantly. He was texting me incessantly and there was nothing I could do about it. Somehow I had just gotten an iPhone at that time, even though I had called Verizon and asked to have his number blocked that didn't work because he had an iPhone also. So he was still able to use iMessage. And at that time, I didn't know how to block him. So I was getting thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of text messages a day, hundreds of phone calls a day. And it was just, it was too much to handle. That calmed down after a while, a few months, and probably about 10 or 12 months later, we started speaking again and we decided that we still loved one another and we were going to see if we could have a relationship. You know, we put everything out on the table and talked about things and we decided to try again. Knowing what I know now and looking back with a clear head, I think I just so badly wanted it to work because I so badly didn't want to have failed at that. And I wanted the fairy tale to be with my high school sweetheart. And I wanted to get married and you know all of these things. And because that's at that time, that's what I thought that I was supposed to do. So we're back in a relationship and my father is not too happy about it at all. And I know now he wasn't mad. He was hurt because he was worried about me but that's not what I saw then. And we were back together for a few months and things, they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. And at this time, this was really, I mean, I had Facebook at the time only because I had a, a college email address. That's, that's how long ago this was like, Facebook wasn't even open to everybody. So there was no, Social media was nowhere near where it was today. So at that time, if um, club promoters wanted to promote a party they were having at a bar or a club, you would get a text message. So one night um, we were at my house. No one was home. My father was, um, he was actually in Kessler because he had surgery on his neck. And my sister was in Italy with her best friend. So you know we had an uneventful night we went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night because I heard my front door close. so I woke up and I look over and he was not in the bed and I get up and I go to the front door and he's outside the front door with my cell phone going through my phone. So I ask him what he's doing and what's going on and he just flew into a rage like, nothing that i have ever seen before and i was just like you know what i'm not doing this you know because i had gotten a text message from a club promoter talking about a party that was happening next weekend you know it wasn't like it was some some guy i knew it was someone i had no idea about you know it was just whatever and uh so i'm going back to bed so that's what i did i went back i went downstairs i i got back in bed i fell back to sleep and The next thing I know, I wake up because he had come into my bedroom. He threw the lights on and he grabbed my, grabbed me by my ankles and pulled me out of my bed. So I hit the floor, which sucked because I lived in the basement and there was solid concrete underneath my carpet. So I can't, I can't remember exactly how the rest of it started, but he just started assaulting me. He was punching me. He was kicking me. He at one point grabbed a, I had this cat toy, which was like this plastic stick that had a string with a feather at the end that he used to strangle me. He was hitting me with my UGG boots and this went on for like 30 minutes. And I don't, I don't know. Like I just did anything that I could to. Keep myself alive, I guess. And at some point, I think that he snapped out of it and realized what he was doing. So he literally just got up and ran out of the room. So I got up and I ran to the door and I shut it and I locked it and I called 911. And uh, he busted the door down and he took the phone. And he was like, Oh, he took the phone. He's like, Nothing's wrong. You don't have to come. Well, thankfully, the cops didn't believe that. So they came to the house and I was just distraught, I guess. I mean, I don't even, I was beside myself. And um, he was trying to tell the cops that nothing happened and all this stuff. And we obviously had to go to the police department, which is just, it's just a horrifying experience because it's like you get violated all over again because they have to take pictures of everything and you have to recount everything that just happened. And then after all of that, I'm sitting there and by this time it's like four 35 o'clock in the morning and this cop comes in laughing and I'm like what the fuck and he's like he's like I'm not laughing at you he's like but he's like he wants to press assault charges on you and I was like okay I'm like this has got to be a fucking joke because apparently he did he had a scratch on him somewhere while I was trying to defend himself or defend myself excuse me from him um At that point, I thought that that was literally like, it was the worst night of my life. I thought it was like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. But the next year he spent making my life a living hell, stalking me. He he would sit outside my house. He would sit outside my office. He would follow me places. um, And I just disintegrated. I was afraid of everything i didn't want to go anywhere i didn't want to do anything because he was just always there and at that point i didn't know what he was capable of i didn't know what he was going to do and i didn't feel like i had anyone who could help me or protect me because you know i would call the cops every time he would show up and yeah he'd get arrested and then he would get bailed out like big deal he'd be back on the you know back on the street a few hours later and I spent two years of my life being afraid to go anywhere or do anything. Um, And I think that that's my biggest, that's the only thing that I still am not, I haven't reconciled was, is those two years that I lost because I feel like I threw away two years of my life because uh, I wasn't strong enough to, to face him or face that. And cause I know now that I'm, I'm stronger than that and I could have handled it, but I, I just, I, I didn't know. Um, so of course, you know, I had to go to court and, um, that was another really terrifying experience for me because his father's a very big man. He's, he's tall, he's big physically. And when I walked by him in the courthouse, he started screaming at me, telling me that I ruined his son's life. And I was like, I ruined his life. Like, I guess he meant because, you know, he has, you know, felony assault charges, but that's not my fault. I didn't, you know, I didn't force him to put his hands on me. You know, I didn't tell him to strangle me. Thankfully, that day in the courthouse, I met these women from the Jersey battered women shelter who, who do great work. These women were there to support me in any way that I needed. If I needed uh, legal advice, if I needed help with a lawyer, if you know, if if I needed someone to talk to, if I needed counseling, anything, and that was my first step towards me becoming a a human again, I guess, because those women showed me that it was possible. After that, I did I did take those women up on their offer to meet with them and to Talk about what I had gone through to, uh, you know, work through it, and not try and bury the situation as deep down as I did because it wasn't it wasn't doing me any good there. Um, these are women that I continue to work with today, but in a different capacity because I just recently finished the training in order to work with other women who have been victims of domestic violence so that is one really amazing thing that came from this whole situation because i don't as i mentioned earlier i don't you know want to focus on this as a bad or a dark point in my life i want to learn from it and continue to grow from it and use and use it to help myself and to help other people which is something that i do still on a daily basis you know there were many points in this relationship that i see now that weren't we're not healthy you know he was controlling he would do things like oh well if you leave me no one's ever going to be with you because you're not pretty enough you're not thin enough you're not this you're not that you know but i had blinders on and i didn't know any better
0: thank you so much for sharing that there are a couple things that i picked up on and and when i say thank you for sharing i i really mean it i know it's not something that maybe everyone wants to share on a podcast or, you know, on Instagram or whatever. Um, But a couple of things that I picked up on one is I noticed that you said that you wasted two years of your life. And I I want you to know that you went through a trauma. I mean, it's no different than maybe um, something like PTSD or, you know, ending, ending a marriage. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, you ended a relationship and you went through a trauma. So, to say that you wasted two years of your life being scared, I mean, you went through a trauma where you needed to heal yourself. And but I
1: wasn't the, the, so I want to, I, I need to say that I, I I did waste those two years because I wasn't healing myself. I was drinking, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was yeah. sitting in that trauma. You did, and reliving it on a daily basis. Yeah. And the thing that actually brought me out of that was my best friend from childhood came to me with another close friend on my birthday with a candle, with a cupcake, with a candle in it to celebrate my birthday because I wouldn't go anywhere. And it was, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't need to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I don't need, I don't need to do this. I'm bigger than this. I'm better than this. And that was what made me take, the first step towards healing myself and, and growing from it.
0: Yeah. And when I say, when I say healing, that that is what a lot of people have to go through. Sometimes you have to hit that bottomed out place where you're just, Mm -hmm. you're like, what am I doing with my life? If you didn't, if you didn't go through that, you might not have pulled yourself out of it in the same way. You might've been in that comfortable place where you're like, Hey, this is fine. I'm, I don't need to go out. I don't need to, you know, it's scary out there and you might, your life may be vastly different. I mean, some people don't realize that sometimes you have to go dark. Sometimes you have to go deep down. Sometimes you have to be in a really bad place in order to get somewhere good.
1: Definitely. Or, and even to just see what you're missing out on.
0: To say you wasted two years of your life. You were learning for those two years. You were, you were coming Mm -hmm. up with reasons that you are so much stronger than that reasons Mm -hmm. that you don't need to be in that place just life life Mm -hmm. isn't always Mm -hmm. linear where you're like oh is constantly building i know people who like to say that you're always constantly building one on top of another and then all of a sudden you're at the top of the ladder it's not true it's not Mm -hmm. true sometimes you go up and sometimes you go down and you have to go down in order to come back up
1: ain't that the truth
0: yeah yeah (laughs)
1: Well, and I know for a fact that I definitely did come, come back up from that because uh, this person now, all of these, all of this stuff happened almost 10 years ago now. And he sent me a message on Instagram on Monday and it didn't affect me the way that it would have when, while I was still in there, I would have thought like I would have, definitely responded i would have been like oh well he still cares about me and blah 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 none of that happened absolutely none of that and uh thank god for that yeah
0: someone said to me recently love is a drug you're just there's chemicals going on in your brain yep. that make you not think clearly about this other person in your life mm-hmm. and you make excuses and you make reasons why it's okay and, and a lot of times it's not okay.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And something else I noticed about what you were talking about is he told you that you weren't going to be able to find somebody else. He was trying yeah. to emotionally blackmail you. I've talked about this on Instagram before. I don't even know if I have posted the video before, but it's, it's something that happens to people every day. And this was something that happened to you in a really deep way, a very non-covert way where he just tried to take away, he used your self-worth as a weapon. Yep. And no matter what level that happens on, that is absolutely not okay.
1: Well, in high school, in health class, the nurse talked to us about dating violence and, you know, signs that we should look out for. And literally every single one of them was there, but you find a way to rationalize it oh, well, he had a bad day or, oh, you know, I wasn't as nice as I should have been. Or, you know, you make excuses for it.
0: You make it your fault. You find a reason why you are the reason that someone else did something to you.
1: Yeah. But none of it's my fault.
0: And none of it is true.
1: And I know that now.
0: Yeah, you do. And there's lots of people out there that don't know that. And think about all those people that you just told that to that maybe we'll think twice. Oh, wait, maybe this is not my fault. Oh, wow. That just happened to me. Or maybe they're at the end of their relationship, like, like you were, and they don't have the strength to leave. And they don't, cause they don't know there's something on the other side of it where they're going to be okay. Right. And they're deeply fearful just to give anyone a little bit of hope is, I think is, is all you can do sometimes because you can't do it for them. Right. Right. Just like no one could do it for you, just like your dad couldn't do it for you. You had to do it for yourself.
1: Yeah. And even with that, like I felt like he let me down, but then I realized that no, he did what he did exactly what he needed to do. And I was crushed when I realized how painful that was for him to have to see that. Like I cannot imagine. Now, this is the only thing thinking about this that makes me want to cry is thinking about my father having to see my face black and blue and swollen from that because he probably thought it was his fault and probably felt like he should have stopped it, But there was nothing he could have done.
0: And after all that, <laughs> this is this is the part that you feel I can see you feel really emotional about because, you know, this was someone you loved that was outside of the relationship that he, that was so hurt by this. And they Mm -hmm. wanted to help you and they couldn't, but thank God he was there for you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Thank God that you had someone to be there for you, because I know I wasn't in a place to help you. I didn't even know about it. There was someone there the whole time that was just, he was ready to be, he was preparing himself to be there for you this entire time. And he's like, okay, I know this is not the relationship I want for you. And I'm ready when, when you need me. And he was,
1: he, yeah, he was just ready to catch me when I was ready.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: also th- thinking about that is the other side of that is amazing because he knew that it might take some time, but he had the faith in me. He knew I would eventually make the right decision and I would do what was best for me. And I did. Yeah. I did.
0: And I, th- I think that's the other great thing that he just sat there <laughs> believing in you the whole time. Mm-hmm. They believed that you were strong enough, that you were brave enough. And what a great compliment to you.
1: Yeah, it's huge.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that wasn't initially something you wanted to share. And um, if anyone out there does need help, we'll have some information for you at the end of the podcast. Um, yeah,
1: there's so many resources out there. There are so many people who are are waiting and wanting and willing to help. and. If you're you're worried that it's not safe for you to reach out for pe- to people, there are safe ways and, and for you to do this. All you have to do is just reach out, and there will be someone there to to grab your hand.
0: I just want to ask you one question before we end: Is if you had something that you could say to the you back then when this happens, is there anything that you would say?
1: It'll get better. That and you deserve better. The guy would want me to know my worth. Cause that was, if I knew my worth back then, I wouldn't have been in that situation. So that's it.
0: That's great. I love that. Thank you again for sharing. And, um, and we'll see you guys next time.
1: Dating violence of any kind isn't something to be ashamed of. And it's not something you have to face alone. There are so many resources for you to safely and privately get the help and information you need. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence can be found at ncadv.org or you can call 303-839-1852. And don't forget, you are worthy.